Welcome back to the Mail-In Podcast. I am your host, Brett Merriman. To my right, lovely Sally DeFreeze. Sally, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Brett? Very good. Very excited. Uh, I leave today, if you're listening to this, I left Tuesday night for a upstate New York week. An, an upstate New York week. So you're gone till next? Just Sunday. Sunday, Coming, coming okay. back Sunday. Um, so you're getting five days. Very five excited. Days. Uh, we'll be doing a little golf outing for my dad, a little memorial golf outing on Thursday afternoon. Really looking forward to that. And then headed up to Lake Placid for a wedding uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Very, very excited. What are the leaves looking like currently in upstate New York? We are... What's the uh, leaf peeping forecast? We're not peak. We are ascending to peak. Okay. We, we, we aren't even, I wouldn't even call it near peak according to the foliage report, which you had a great follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there will be ample change, but it won't be like the, the peak lit on fire. It'll, more red, like, uh, excuse me, more yellows and oranges than reds and golds. You're not getting a, you're not getting a red tree. You're not getting a full you, red. You might like. get one here or there. Uh, the summer was wet and hot, mm-hmm. which tends to push the peak colors back a little bit, dulls them out, if you will. Okay. Um, so we'll see. I will report back next week. Are you going to have an apple cider donut? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There will be apple cider donuts had. There will be fall beers had. There will be fall fits gotten off. Like the. the you're it's so my favorite excited. time. I, I'm I'm giddy. The I highs know, are at 66. And this sunny. time we went to Michigan. Uh-huh. Well, like a couple weeks from now, and we hit peak, like actual peak. Mm-hmm. It was great. It uh, it continuously reminds me like how much I, I love upstate New York in the fall. Um, it my my literal my favorite time of year is October in upstate New York. I haven't done. Any weekend in October in upstate New York. Since you moved? Sally, since I went to college. Oh, wow. It's been And technically like, you're not doing it now because it's still Technically, I'm, I'm still not. I'm getting close. I got close last year, but I haven't done a weekend in upstate New York in October since college, or since high school, which is like a decade plus, and that just hurts my soul. It is my favorite, favorite place to be, favorite time of year. Favorite weather. You know how people like summer? Yeah. You should just autumn. I need to autumn in Saratoga. Saratoga. (laughs) Just use all your PTO next year to just go in October. People, I would know. I would love to work there. Like, I would love to be remote in Saratoga for like two and a half weeks, just the middle of October. It would, oh, it would, it would, it would be the best. So, I'd people summer, people like snowbird or sun, what, what is it called now? Sweatbirds? That are leaving Texas to go to like Bozeman for the summer. Oh, um, really? Is that what that's called? Sweatbirds or sun, whatever the there's there's nine different names that the New York Times is going to try out before settling on. When one. all of Texas relocates to Colorado slash Montana, yeah, go to tally for tally yeah. for the summer, dude. Um, I just I'm gonna be an on autumn bird. Be like Texas for the I summer, Texas for the winter, and just Saratoga for like a month in the in the fall. Yeah, I don't care about like water sports or skiing i just want vibes you know you're just a vibe chaser i just want (laughs) 
just want to. I want to go somewhere and be cozy for a month. That you know? that ties into my uh, idea. I want to be a storm chaser. You familiar with storm chasing? Uh-huh. But I want to chase like cold fronts and perfect weather. You talked about this last week. Yeah, just want to be like, oh, seventy and sunny here, crazy. You know what you could do? You could just move to San Diego. Yeah, I liked San Diego. I've been a couple times. I really enjoy it, but I need I need change. Like you need the chase. Change, I need the, I need I need to like. You just get beaten down over the head by perfect weather, and you just then you don't appreciate it. I want to be like hot and muddy and humid and have that cold front come through, and just you're just in a moment of bliss. Okay, it's just fantastic. So that's I need change and I need seasons. Brett yeah. noted not Southern California fan. No, hate it. Okay, <laughs> no, just kidding. I would. Uh, I I certainly like to visit. I don't know if I could live in Southern California. I'm sure I would do just fine. Lots of smog. A lot in of LA. smog, yeah, yeah. No, no marine layer though. Noted. Correct. Noted. No marine layer. I I had to spend more time on the West Coast. I've only done. There is a marine layer. I was just. I did you get the joke I was making when Dylan and Will? Yeah. Had a big fight. Okay. Big fight. Like, as much of a fight as there's been on this podcast. I just have to say back. too that when we went to San Diego <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> Will, like, every time there was a marine layer, just brought it up. Just every time we're in Southern California and there's a marine layer, Will just gets, like, irrationally pissed. Yeah. I, I Like, Sally, note, I was sitting in on that pod. and I think that might have been the biggest fight they ever had. Uh, honestly, it's up there. It's up there. We, we might have to delete this because I don't even want to bring it up again. <laughs> we, we, we for can, fear that like Dylan and Will might go at each other again. We can stop. Do you have any any fall trips planned? I, I guess you're having a child, so it's kind of uh, no. It really puts the damper <laughs> on your travel. Uh, yeah, they yeah, they worry yeah. you may go into labor. I've I have officially. We have hungered down. Oh, you're in the non the non travel. Well, it, I right? I stopped traveling. Earlier this time because mm, okay. I'm just uncomfortable and I we don't have anywhere to go really. Yeah. So we we don't have any trips planned. We may try to do some post. There you go. Post children things. Okay. Okay. Do you have to some winter th- trips? Uh, say you have a two month old. Uh huh. Can you uh fly with them on your lap and like not pay like fritz would obviously need to see you can point, but. fly with the lap child till they're one year old one year old okay interesting yeah so do people try to be like yeah he's one and it's like, uh, like a no t- now they're pretty around. they're pretty uh strict about it even when fritz was like i think at one point he was like six months and they're like we need to see his birth certificate and i was like oh he's clearly not one he's like He's like, can't walk or talk. He's clearly a baby. And they're like, well, we don't know how old babies are. And I was like, yeah. okay. And thankfully, I didn't even like think about it mm-hmm. because he was so young. And I had a picture of his birth certificate on my phone. Uh, there uh, you go. But they, and then at a certain age, because they don't have IDs, you know? Yeah. They will ask the kid, like, who are you traveling with? Mm. I'm like, if they ask Fritz who he's traveling, he's gonna be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Uh, but they, it happened in front of us. The like little girl was like, uh, "I don't know," and they're like, "Is this your mom?" And she was like, "No," because <laughs> the kid's just like, "Ooh, I'm gonna like." Yeah, no. like we. I mean, I get why they're doing it because yeah. you're like, "Are you being human trafficked?" But sure, do we really trust kids to like? I mean, yeah, t- kids. They say the darndest things. So. Yeah. 
No, so you can travel for free with them for up to a year, but okay, that's good. It's pretty miserable after like nine months. So just sometimes yeah. it's worth just buying their own seat. <laughs> yeah, just like here, sit here. Yeah, strap in. Have an area to sprint around instead of like clawing at your face the whole flight. Mm. So yeah. I think we have a question kind of about that this week, but let's get into it. So yeah. uh, if you want to uh, help us out, please tell a friend about the show. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Follow on Spotify. Hit the hotline number to leave a voicemail, 888-362-MAIL. That is 888-362-6245. Or you can write in at the link in the Twitter bio at Podcast, or in the description of this episode, which I think people are utilizing. I, I don't know the analytics on the, where the traffic comes from, but I'm getting way more questions this week. And last, like the questions have increased. And so I really appreciate that from Great. our listeners. We love it. Just to you guys. Um, Sally, do you want to lead off? Yes, I will lead off. Hey, mail and crew. I am infatuated with this woman. And for the life of me, cannot get over her. Side note, he said infatuated with this women misspelling. And I thought he just said he was infatuated with women in general. So I was very I was like, yep, are we a little like a, a sex addiction, yeah. addiction uh, answer? No, here. that's no, not where this is going. A singular woman. He is infatuated with a woman. Background. We were acquaintances during college six years ago, but then I moved to another city for work. After COVID, I found myself moving back to where she lives and we happened to reconnect. I've always had a crush on her, so I decided to ask her out. And unfortunately, she was already in a relationship. We've stayed close friends and she's a kind human being and I'm grateful to have her in my life, regardless of romance or not. I've since met her boyfriend and he's a great dude, so I can't even be upset about it. But what I am upset about is that no matter how hard I try to get over her, I can't. It's so bad that it's totally affecting my dating life because I compare everyone to her and fear entering a serious relationship on the slim chance she breaks up with her boyfriend that magically falls in love with me. I know it's a fairy tale, so any advice y'all can give will be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Ah, Tough situation. Unrequited yeah. love. Yep. little unrequited love, but... So I my my initial question was okay was there a, was there a college hookup ever was there I don't was think there any so. romantic feelings ever doesn't sound like it two Randy what's what's the meme it's like uh, just You're not it, giving me much here bro if if she's uh, if she's doing something like just work on yourself King that's I guess it's more about just the online trope in general focus on yourself King. focus on yourself King okay. yeah that's the thing here is that if there's never been a romantic connection and it's just kind of acquaintances, I, I get the unrequited love thing. I get being hung up on somebody. I get the idea that you don't want to, you don't want to move on just in case there's like a, uh, she breaks up and all of a sudden you're three months into something new and you're like, Oh my God, I, I but I want to try that. You just, you just have to, you have to jump. You have to leap into that world of getting over somebody by one sort of losing losing yourself in self-improvement or self-worth or something like that. You can't just be hung up forever, especially in a situation where she's in a relationship. Yeah. And if you do find somebody new or somebody else and – you, I think you'll be surprised as to how it changes your mindset, especially yeah. if you really 
like a person or love a person. Or, um, and I think that's just kind of what you have to focus on, whether you want somebody, period, or you're just, you want to be single. I don't know what that next step is if you're actively looking for somebody else. But I think the first step is just getting comfortable with being single, finding uh, solace and working on yourself or improving something about you that makes you or, or takes up your time versus pining over somebody. Yeah. I I have two options here. Option one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not recommending this option. I'm just saying it's an option. Tell her how you feel. Okay. I don't think this is a good idea in this sense because. But it certainly causes some like. It it, it, ge- it, it gives you a, probably some closure. Right. Yeah. Uh, the reason I don't think this is a good idea is because it, it doesn't seem like this is like a back and forth deal. It feels very one-sided. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think it probably is going to catch her off guard and not lead to anything. But if it's going to lead to anything, it's going to be her probably turning you down and then you having a, enough closure to move on slash embarrassment. Uh, honestly, fair. Yeah. But you're going to ruin any relationship with you have you have with her and her boyfriend and yeah the friend thing will be probably some fallout with some friends sure i'm not saying that's a bad idea i'm just saying it's it's not fully necessary but if it's like the only thing that's going to keep you from being like i can't move on with anyone else for the fear that she might mm-hmm. have one day love me then it might be that's that's your like absolute last resort pull trigger you know light yeah. the fire right um i say that because i i think all of us not all of us many people have had one person like this in their life mm-hmm. but it's usually someone that you have been like romantically involved with sure the the acquaintance part of this is and I, I, I'm not saying that like, oh, you're a loser because you ha- you're only an acquaintance. But everybody mm-hmm. has been probably at some point in their life, whether it's for years or like a month or just a day while you're on vacation in in Miami, like e- you are infatuated with somebody. You're just like, this is the thing about option two. Option two is that you you just got to get over, her. and it does take time, but you have to start talking yourself into like i'm putting this person on a pedestal that i have like no i i mean you you're friends with her you're her acquaintance you were acquaintances in college i don't know how close you are now but even as close as you think you are even if you're like her best guy friend Mm -hmm. you have never been in a relationship with her and arguably anybody who's in some sort of unrequited love situation has not been in like a real relationship unless they're like exes sure you you are fully going on the idea of something right here. you're that- totally making plans um deciding your future changing your mindset etc based on what you think a relationship with this person might be like mm-hmm. there is always something you know like it doesn't matter how well you know this person you you haven't like lived with them yet you haven't talked to them about their morals and religious beliefs you haven't you don't know all their back family drama and i'm not saying that that might change how he feels about her Mm -hmm. but it's very easy 
to put someone that you are not in a relationship with on a pedestal where you're like, that's it. This is it for me. Totally. Totally. I mean, that that's like how people get obsessed with celebrities, you know? Absolutely. Because you think like I'm in love with this person, like they're perfect for me. But in reality, you don't actually know. You know their character on a show, or you know their character on like in the in a movie. Like this is to me, I I get where this guy is coming from. Um, and I think the the easiest thing to say is just one time. Yeah. To find a another avenue for that sort of obsession whether it's yourself or a, like a sport or another person like just you you it's it's, it's this anxious energy that you have right. nowhere to place besides the idea of this other person and turning every interaction with them into something bigger than it is right and it's just it ends up being unhealthy unless you do want to go the nuclear route and be like hey I'm in love with you yeah and Deal with that fallout. I think the biggest issue with unrequited love in general is that usually there's no like being scorned or someone cheated on you or you were together and then decided that this relationship doesn't work Mm because you've never had a moment that leaves you being able to move on. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. really hard for people who need closure. Yeah. Um, And you basically have to completely construct that closure for yourself it's it's fu- exactly what you said it's fully dependent on you to mm-hmm. move on put all of your time and energy into something else because the other person doesn't really owe you that or even closure. know or or no right exactly so you have to shift your mindset into like you can't make it about her it's got to be about you mm-hmm. and changing you know what and you've got to Anytime you start thinking about her, you have to like stop. You have to give yourself a stopgap and be like, I've got to stop right mm-hmm. now and just change, you know, change what you're doing, change what you're thinking about. Because the more you fantasize, the more it's going to be difficult. Totally. Um, let's talk about our partners over at AG1. You're glowing, Sally. Thanks. I'm glowing. You're glowing. AG1's a big part of that. Glowing from the inside out. And, outs- and outside in. Outside in, but it starts from the inside. Exactly. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day. In the morning, wake up, before I'm out the door, scoop of the green stuff, AG1 powder, in a glass of water, mix it up, down the hatch. Simple as that. Simple as that. Here's what you're getting. Uh... 75 whole food sourced superfoods, high quality vitamins, probiotics, and just just a generally a good way to start your day. What is your method of consumption when it comes to AG1? Well, I have said this in the past. I like it cold. Mm -hmm. So I always put a little bit of water in the fridge before I go to bed in my AG1 like bottle just ready to go. And then as soon as I get up, put the scoop in, shake that baby up, maybe even add one ice cube. And it feels like I'm drinking a nice little tropical green juice in the morning. Yeah. And it's easy. For me, it's easier to like down cold beverages quickly. Totally. I mean, you see how fast I take down a nice coffee. Mm -hmm. So I will like 
slurp that sucker down. Just Usually boom. on my way to work, yeah, like, like my a, 15 minute commute. Uh -huh. And then again, I've talked about this before too. It's like check off the box, did yeah. that. Don't have to sit there and try to calculate a million different pills to take. I did one thing, it's done, got my AG1 in, and I didn't have to like sit there all day. And the other thing is I can drink it on an empty stomach and not get sick. Boom. That's a huge, huge thing for me. Huge. A lot of vitamins do that, not AG1. Uh, better energy, better focus, better sleep, better digestion, just kind of a, an overall health boost for you. So if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs plus a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash mail-in. That is drinkag1.com slash mail-in. Check it out. Uh, Sally, let's do the next one. Ready for uh, some sex talk? Let's do it. Here we it's go. all you. Sally Brett, I've been seeing this woman for a month and a half now, and she's amazing. We get along really well, enjoy each other's company. She's smart, considering, uh, considerate, caring, etc. but the sex sucks. Important context. She told me she takes some medication for her mental health that along with years of religious trauma prevent her from achieving orgasm. Uh, I consider myself a very generous lover and can't enjoy sex unless my partner does. And while I can tell she's genuinely enjoying our intimacy, my inability to get her off means I spend well over an hour pleasuring and focused on her until we're both so tired that we stop and I don't get the same enjoyment out of it. I am batting 100% for having to finish myself off because I'm at a point where I can't get her off, and I'm not getting off during sex either. To be clear, she is paying attention to my needs and trying to reciprocate. Further, it's absolutely killing my self-esteem because I can't get her off, even after trying for up to 90 minutes where my body just gives out. It's not a communication thing because I keep asking her what I can do differently and her genuine response is that she's enjoying it and she just can't get off. And that's as good as it gets for her, but she's having an amazing time. What in the world do I do? I feel bad for not wanting to see her anymore because of something that is medication and trauma induced and other than the sex, she's amazing. And I would have liked to explore the relationship further but I'm not enjoying that as something. I'm not enjoying something that is very important, and it's impacting how I feel about myself. Would I be a bad person if I ended things? Maybe I wouldn't say that's why. I would love your advice. Tough one. Okay. First of all, you have to end it. Ooh. Okay. I I say that because I think you're not so far in it that you like mm -hmm. that like maybe you dated for two years and then and then you had sex and then it was you know you you know you were respecting her boundaries then y'all had sex and now you're like well i want to marry her but the sex is bad what do i do mm -hmm. in that situation i'm like well that takes a little more work like maybe she needs to probably see a therapist and like some other there's there's certainly some of that here for sure but for if, for me you're only a month in it's not going to get better and it's not really your responsibility to fix mm -hmm. this is like gonna have to fully come from her you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i think 
there is a generation of people, our generation, who grew up. Um, I mean, I'm sure this exists in other generations, but I feel like the abstinence generation of us, like we were like told and preached abstinence, like Literally, by yeah. freaking, you know, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears who were not abstinence and then abstinent and then the, the Joe bros and their, you know, whatever rings or whatever. Like we were taught like sex is bad. Sex is shameful. We mm -hmm. shouldn't be having it. And some people who grew up in really religious households were taught like this is bad no matter what. You can only be married. And then they're even in that case still – like probably even when they're married are going to have this like association of shame with sex, which is really mm -hmm. sad. Okay. I think that they're, this is a whole different, like we could do a whole podcast on this, but yeah. that is a whole different issue that she's going to struggle with regardless of whether this guy is with her or not. Mm -hmm. And that is going to take probably therapy, like actual psychosocial therapy, maybe even seeing like a... A sexual therapist, right? A like sexual yeah. therapist because all of those things require time to get mm -hmm. over and kind of talking through all those feelings. And for me, I think a month and a half in, six weeks in, like that's not really your responsibility. Okay, yep. I I get where he's coming from and he's like, I really like her, but like... Sexual compatibility is such a huge component of relationships. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you know, even like medication, sexual, you know, stuff aside, she, she's she got to work on herself. And I'm not saying like she needs to be better at sex or not cry or like yeah. be able to get off, whatever. But like that's, that's a her issue that you're not going to fix and you – it's not really his responsibility six weeks in. So that's why I'm like – Stop it, you know? Time to, Time to end. end it. Yeah, I, I think – let me analyze it from kind of like the guy's perspective too because there's there's a part of me that says if you both are – or if she's enjoying it, maybe focus on the enjoyment rather than sort of the ego part of it of getting her off. And I get where he's – like it's, a, it's almost like a competitive thing. Yeah. Where you don't think – you know, you don't you don't think you you were a good enough lover unless you get the other person off. And I didn't right. realize guys and girls have a very different uh, yardstick when it comes to getting off. But is there is there something to be said for just trying to enjoy the moment? And I don't know if that's selfish on the guy's part, just being like, hey, like I I I'm enjoying this. I know you're enjoying this. Does it does the completion part of it matter, or can we just enjoy the intimacy? And I think that would take pressure off of her because mm -hmm. she knows like she's got to be in her own head knowing that all you're trying to do is like get her to this yeah. orgasmic moment. And that, that, that's just, that's making it almost worse, right? Like she's just waiting and, and just in her own head, knowing that it's not going to happen and knowing that it's, it's annoying or troubling her partner too there's almost no way forward there right but do you think that that would fix no i'm just i'm saying in in like the immediate term like is there right. something about just enjoying 20 minutes of intimacy with your partner regardless of the outcome right and like 
I don't, just trying to take the pressure off of the situation about like coming. Yeah. Does that help at all in terms of just enjoying the, the present part of it? See, okay. Yes, I get where you're coming from, but it sounds like on this guy too, it's like he's not in a mental space where he can enjoy it. I think I think it's because he's so focused on right. like, like to me, this is in in my head, it's like, okay, he's going down on her for like 90 minutes. Right. Like that that just I don't think anybody wants to do that. No. On on either side. But like, but here's my point is like they're six weeks into a relationship. So much of sex, I like, is chemistry. Sure. But when you when you're dealing with issues like this, a lot of it is also communication. So, even even people who've been together for years who go through like ruts or, you know, even if it's like something like a one off, like can't finish and mm -hmm. somebody's upset, it's so important to communicate with your partner. Like, hey, I'm just not in it tonight. Like we should just totally, stop. Yeah, like absolutely. this is not an ego thing to you, mm -hmm. but you don't know someone well enough at six weeks to just be fully honest with them. Yeah. And I think they're both trying to communicate their needs, but it's, they're just so far off. the. Yeah. They're not on the same page at all that it's, they're never going to reach a point where they can both get out of their heads and enjoy it. I Yeah. It, it sounds like that's where we're headed here. Yeah. But I do want to give an, like one opportunity for like, hey, yeah, maybe if you just say, like, focus on yourself, King, and maybe you getting off one time will will empower her. Sort of be like, oh, look what look what you did, instead of me trying for ninety minutes on something. Yeah, just maybe she has the same kind of feeling. Maybe she's kind of subconsciously like wants to get you off. And that would make her more turn. So you know what I'm saying, like yeah. turning the uh, the the situation around. Yeah. And I get you're you're coming from a place of like a good-hearted, you know, you want to get her off as your partner, and then like then focus on you. Yeah. But maybe if you just try to flip the situation around, and I, again, I'm I, is, is that like sounds selfish from the male perspective? No, but, but yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm going for solutions here, or at least differing perspectives or viewpoints right good luck it's a tough one i think I, the last thing i'm going to say is i don't he, he said at the very end like i don't know if i will tell her mm -hmm. in the breakup i wouldn't probably add that when you are breaking up with her yeah because you're just gonna only add to her sexual to her insecurity, insecurity and yeah. like trauma and things mm -hmm. like that i mean i think you can say stuff like the chemistry is kind Just, of off or yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. but you don't need to be like, I can't get you off. And it's, that's the reason why, like that would, that's just going to only further the trauma, you know? Yeah, totally. Next one. Yeah. Sally. This one's directly to you, by the way. My friend is in love with me. I'm a 30 year old male. She's a 29 year old female and I love her, but the girl won't get out of her own way. We've been friends for a decade, and I know her like the back of my hand. We tried to date last year for a month, but went way too fast and ended up in an ugly fight. 
We talked after and decided to stay close friends. Well, every time we hang out, the chemistry is still there and the flirting is constant. We talk every day. The only issue is the girl can't say no to anyone. She's a teacher and works insane hours because she won't say no when asked to volunteer. She also won't say no to any of her thousand friends. I have to make plans with her a week in advance. When the day rolls around, she also made plans with two other people and I ended up canceling because she gets so stressed and tries to fit everyone in. It causes her so much anxiety, sometimes she ends up canceling on everyone. All I can get her to commit to is consistently lunch, which isn't that romantic. Sally, as a former overscheduler, how do I get this girl to commit to a night out? Okay. This is kind of a two-pronged question. Okay. So he also, she's in love with him, and he is also in love with her? That is uh, what he says. Okay. They've tried the dating thing. And now it sounds like he wants to try it again. But but it's she she's having she we're having scheduling issues. Yeah. Before we go any further, we I can absolutely answer the like over scheduling question, but I need to know why they broke up last year after a month and then had an ugly fight. Yeah, what's the ugly fight about? Was it because Was it because of this? Was, was it because, because of this? Yeah. Or was it because you tried dating and just didn't work? Mm-hmm. Like, are there other reasons why you broke up? He said that it went way too helpful. fast, but then right. that's kind of like counterintuitive to like her overscheduling because if it went way too fast, then you were seeing each other too much. I'm just a little confused by that. So sure. if if they're trying, if he's trying to date her, you've got to mm-hmm. also reconcile that whole month for a year last year. Yeah, whatever. totally agree. Um. Again, this is not your responsibility. Like you, people who are overschedulers who constantly overcommit, that's a self-realization as you get older that you have to fix yourself. Uh, Maybe you can help her realize that and maybe you can talk to her about it as her friend Mm -hmm. and someone that she's close to. But that's going to be a total moment of self-actualization on her part that no amount of you say, like getting frustrated and being upset with her is going to probably change that until she feels it herself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm kind of trying to find one, where does the overscheduling mentally come from? Uh, and I would assume it's be, it's like a people pleaser yes. situation. It's yeah. you don't want to disappoint anybody. Right. And that seeking approval gene plays out in never saying no. Right. And trying to schedule everybody. And doing it successfully in that you are making time for everybody, but you're also completely limiting the time you have for yourself and then getting to the point where you're so stressed out that you blow up the entire day's plans. Because Correct. you just can't, you can't do it. Right. Now, from this guy's standpoint, part of me wonders, should you back off instead of, forcing the invite all the time and being like hey what are you up to today hey what are you up to today hey what are you up to today and trying to schedule and making her sort of realize that maybe she misses you or misses the hangout and then then it's on her to schedule yeah and maybe that's sort of an indicator that hey if it's been a couple weeks and she has not tried to do that or has not mentioned like hey is there something up do you want to not see me or whatever Maybe that's an indication of like this is kind of not really going to work. You're just different people. It sounds like this guy's very 
adamant and hey we're gonna hang out we're gonna try to do something romantic she's not doing that in return she's like hey let's do lunch there's also an adage like if they want to see you they're gonna make time to see you or if they want to be romantic they're gonna make time to be romantic and maybe maybe we're kind of out of the the romantic love stage if especially if we've already tried it yeah um so I think it's kind of a tough one here. I'd like to know more context, like you said, about what happened last year. Right. Why, what, what made something go too fast there? Why did it end in an ugly fight? Did it have something to do with this? People pleasing, overscheduling, was it something totally separate? Um, and kind of where her head is at now, because he sounds like kind of an emotional partner here, where kind of she's like venting to him about, Mm-hmm. over scheduling and this and that and at the same time kind of enabling in it in the fact that he's like hey what are you doing what are you doing can we can we hang can we hang can we hang right and she's just penciling him in for lunch so speaking to the over scheduling thing and this is for anybody who's a people pleaser but he can i guess speak to her about this too um you're right it's it's like an embedded genetic thing but i also think part of it is the way that you grow up and i being the middle child was the person Mm. who never said no to my parents still don't really like even when my mom calls me and asks me for a favor like i'm one of five kids yeah she calls me she calls me first because she knows that i'll say yes Mm -hmm. i rarely say no uh part of that it like realizing that takes time and part of it was driven by will part of it was will saying like you have to start saying no so that's this mm-hmm. guy's can say that to her but part of it is also realizing the exact thing he outlined like i would do the same thing i would over schedule and then be so stressed out i would cancel on everything and then feel guilty about it yeah and i started realizing as i got older and especially when i had my own relationship, my own job, my own, you know, grad school, kid, et cetera, something in my life that took precedence over anything else that it's, it serves me better to just say no up front mm-hmm. or, or even like, maybe this comes off as wishy-washy, but like come out as a maybe before even saying yes, because then there's no way that I can one, feel guilty later when I have to cancel and two, mm-hmm. that people won't get pissed at me when I say no. Sure. So again, I think that that is something that she's going to have to come to on her own. Now, yeah. if this guy becomes her partner and they start dating, I think you have more of a right to say like, Hey, you seem really stressed out. Can we take some stuff off your plate? Can you say no to this group dinner? Can you say no to this charity project? Or can you say no to this? Yeah. Um, you can encourage her, but all of that has to come from her own. On her own volition. Correct. Um, I, I completely agree with you from the romantic standpoint here is that like he says she's in love with him. If if he backs off and lets her take, you know, the wheel, maybe that'll empower her to like make her own plans because it sounds like everything's being thrown thrust upon her. She's not being able to like pick and choose what she wants to do. So give her an opportunity to come to you. Mm -hmm. And, and if you want to say something to her, like, Hey, as a friend, I just feel like you're really like being overrun and you're anxious and you're 
tired and you need to, you know, give yourself some support. But that gene is always going to exist. That yep. that part of me still exists. Like even with work, when I'm like very ill and I have to call out and be like, hey, I'm, I have the flu. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be at work. I still feel the guilt. You oh, know? of course. I yeah. still feel I the that, guilt. I have that too. Yeah. For not, you know, some people that just doesn't exist. Some people are like, I'm sick. Don't care. Or I don't have that time on my plate, so I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist for me. I have to consciously be like, I'm saying no to this project because it doesn't, it, it's too much with my family yeah. and me trying to make time. Um, so that's going to be something she probably struggles with for her whole life. Right. Again, that's not really his responsibility unless he's like her partner. And then it becomes more of a thing of like, when Will and I were together, I mean, like early on before we got married, he would have to be like, you've got to say no to your mom or to your friend or to work because I'm, I'm at home with you and you're freaking out because mm -hmm. you've way overcommitted. Sure. But at the same time, that's not really his job right now. He yep. can nudge her in that direction, but it's not his job to like control that in her. Yeah. The, the last thing I wanted to kind of ask or analyze here would be is there anything to sort of going directly to her and, and at some point when you are on one of these lunch things and, and kind of asking her like or, or at least laying out like, you know here's how i feel about like the communication part here yeah. here's how i feel here's what i'm struggling with i'm struggling to make time with you um sort of asking her to what degree you want me to be Right. Um, making plans or like if I were to schedule a true date night, me and you were going to a restaurant or whatever it might be, is that something you even want right. from me or, or, or is that something that you are deflecting on purpose and just kind of having sort of a, a bigger conversation here because it sounds like spinning the wheels is just sort of right ticking off both of you in a way. And I think having a deeper like, how can how can I help? How can I you know? Here's what I here's what I'm feeling. Um, I want to know where your head's at. Here's where my head's at, and kind of getting to the bottom of this versus surface level, just trying to make plans and sort of act like everything's kind of normal. I agree. That's why this question is kind of like a two pronger because yeah. there's there's two parts to it. You've got to like suss out the whole romantic angle of it first and really like yeah. settle on how you actually feel about each other before mm -hmm. you also address her need to overcommit. Yeah. You know what I commit to, Sally? Your hair growth? My hair growth. Shouts to Nutrafol. Our friends over at Nutrafol are the best. They are just a, a daily way to improve your hair and also skin and nails. I'm very pumped hair? about Nutrafol in the postpartum period. Because you know your girl lost hair mm -hmm. the last time. Mm -hmm. And I'm already ready to combat that with Nutrafol. Well, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health, Sally. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men and women that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is an inevitable, Sally. I want to lose these locks here. Kind of coming in nice. Yeah, you've got like kind of a mullet situation happening. Yeah, right now. we'll see. We'll see about it. 
Thanks, Nutrafol. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know, Sally, that 80% of men will experience hair thinning at some point in their life? I did know that. Yeah, well, it's yeah. normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. Get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. They're the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement. Clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Their hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients, and their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health, which is important as some hair growth uh, medicines, I'll say that, uh, they do. Yeah. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify the causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. And it works, by the way. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. So here's the deal. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription plus free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code MAILIN. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter promo code MAILIN. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code MAILIN. Uh, okay, Sally, here we go. Hey, Brett and Sally. Uh, so I've been given an ultimatum for some reference. My girlfriend and I have been together four years, three of which were in college, we have graduated and been living together for just over a year now. I've always been passionate about my career. I've made that very clear, including my intentions to go back to CRNA school. Shouts to Sally. Uh, which Shouts. could also mean relocating for school and or work. She has issued an ultimatum and said that if I do not propose in the next six months, then our relationship is over. I love her more than anything, but am I wrong for wanting to focus on my own future considering I'm only 24 years old? Yoikes. Zoikes, Scoop. Uh, okay. Remember the Netflix show, The Ultimatum? Yeah. I think they're currently, like, they just did a second season probably. Mm -hmm. What a disaster that was. I mean, not yeah. the show, just well, that was like watching yeah. a train oh, yeah, wreck yeah, in yeah. slow motion. It, it's uh. it literally uh, ultimatums uh, are uh, usually wrought with. Uh, First season in Austin. I don't know where the second season was. Uh, Maybe we can get Randy to apply next time. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you have to be in a relationship and be issued an ultimatum to oh. be part on it. Uh, okay. Sorry, Randy. Uh, here's <laughs> where I stand on ultimatums. I, I don't think that they're ever a good idea in general. I have more sympathy for people who've been together for like ten years. Yeah, and are ten like, years. If we're if we're hitting thirty, and we're rocking a college relationship, we we're rocking a college relationship. We've been together. We went through grad school together. You we've still established have, jobs. Like we wait. have established jobs, and we're still not there. Then I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to shit or get off the pot. Like yeah. maybe if if marriage is something you both want or one of you wants, yeah. Then it's probably time to mention it. Like, hey, like, 
we gotta we gotta do something here because I want to get married, and mm-hmm. if you're if you, that's not in our plan or the, your five year plan, like then, we, then that's maybe a, I'm gonna go. Correct. Four years, and you started dating sophomore year of college, and you're 24. For me, is a hard no. 24 is very young. Very. Uh, I. I do have friends that got married at 24. They did great, but they both wanted to be married at 24. Mm -hmm. Usually when someone gets an ultimatum post-college, because I mean, think about even though, even though your college relationship is obviously a lot more mature than your high school relationship, still a college relationship. You're still existing in this world that is very, um, separated from the outside world of like having a job being completely fine most of the time people are not completely financially independent you're living in kind of a weird like post-grad you're in a limbo world in college where you're you're away from your parents and you're away from your family and your hometown Mm -hmm. but you're not off by yourself yet like paying bills and shit sure um even even if you are fully attending college on your own volition, like have loans and stuff like that and working jobs to put yourself through college, which I think is a smaller population than we probably realize Mm -hmm. you're still living off of, if you have scholarships, grants, et cetera, you are still living in a situation where you're not fully paying bills yet because you haven't started paying loans off yet. So you don't even like fully understand the value of money or the responsibility or anything like that. And and you're in a situation where you're like partying with your friends all the time. You're seeing your friends all the time. So re- relationships that start in college, not saying that they can't be successful, but you're also haven't like gone through the trials of being post-grad. Yeah. Which I think is a huge coming of age period for most people. Absolutely. The years yeah. of like 23 to 28, I think, are some of your most uh, important times of growth mm-hmm. for yourself. I can I can speak to that. Very so can much I. So, yeah. And I think when you are in a relationship, especially when you are getting married at that age, you miss a lot of that self growth. I think it's absolutely possible to have that growth while you're married or in a relationship, but that's a lot of finding out about yourself. And to close yourself off by getting married at 24. When you don't even want it, yeah, is I think a recipe for a divorce later on mm-hmm. or other issues. Um, absolutely, people that I knew in CRNA school were already married. It had kids. Some people had kids. Personally, like Will and I were together, we chose to not even like be engaged or married, et cetera, while I was going through CRNA school because I didn't want the extra added stress. Totally. Yeah. Um, obviously we weren't gonna get married before CRNA school, but I didn't even want to be engaged because I didn't want to like deal with trying to also plan a wedding. Yeah. Um, people do it, it's fine. But the bigger issue to me is like not even your career goals, it's that you're so young. And she's already trying to put on like a, we have to get married or. Right. And and that's my first question is why, why do you want to get married so immediately and so badly right. at 24? And I understand people do it and there's reasons for it. But in this situation, 
people are like fresh out of college, po- you're living together post-grad. They're already sort of speeding up the timeline as is. Right. Um, so why? Is it is it sort of to formalize the relationship? Like as long as I think you tell her that, hey, I want to get married in terms of when is, is a different story, but I want to and I want to get married to you at some point, but I have X, Y, Z before that. If she's right. like, I want to get married, I want to have kids by 25, I want to do this, like, well, then your timelines are just off. Right. And whether that's a recipe for ending the relationship, case-by-case case basis, I don't necessarily know, but I, I think it's, you're, this guy is not wrong for wanting to say, I want to focus on my career, I want to focus on where I'm going to live, how much money I'm going to make, like, where I'm going to be in two years after CRNA school. So key, those are a lot of things to figure out before you're formalizing a marriage. And if she's just doing it because all her friends have gotten out of school and are starting to get married or she has the wedding board on Pinterest and she's like, I just want to do this. Uh That's not a reason to enter into a marriage. Right. I think the uh, devil's advocate argument here is that if you are planning on marrying her anyway like why not just get married at the age of 24 i think that is a way that when you're young and in a relationship you look at things Mm -hmm. and you're like well why can't we just get married now instead of waiting for four years yeah but you don't marriage is not like a it's not just a it's not just a title right and it's not just like the next step you take i mean it is but Marriage is already difficult enough. <laughs> and and marriage doesn't have to be – I mean, people say that. They're like, the first year of marriage really rocks your shit. I actually felt like the first year of marriage for me and Will was, like, pretty great. Mm-hmm. I mean, given the, like, global pandemic and things like that. But yeah, outside of that. Outside of that. But, like, some people were like, marriage was tough. And – and then some people are like, I was fine. And I think part of the reason that some of my friends feel that like it wasn't as hard as it was, wasn't as big of an adjustment is because they were older. Because they're, fu- they're fully formed. Adults. Adults. <laughs> like, totally. Because, because to go – because it doesn't matter whether you're in a relationship and committed and things like that. When you are married, you almost put like a – at that age, you – even even though you're going to be loyal and committed to this person for years, there's something about being married that turns you into like, oh, there are married friends, like whatever. You just like lose the ability to explore for yourself. And I'm not saying like going and exploring and like cheating on your significant other. I'm mm-hmm. just saying like being able to like still maintain your life, work on yourself, work on your job. When you are married to someone, that makes like a whole – you're just – you're entering a whole new phase of life that really at 24, I don't think most people are prepared for. And you're you're looking to close yourself off. And I'm not talking about romantically. I'm talking about like socially. Socially when you do that, and, and like by, by the letter of the law, like there's, there's a lot of things that – like you're becoming like a one a, – a household – before you have four different other things figured out, right. where you're gonna live, like what's what's your budget gonna be? Like this is a, a sort of a, a parent dependent marriage, right? After, like think you're not an independent person yet. When you, especially if you have career aspirations, 
I think it's absolutely fine to be like, I'm not ready to be married until we are financially stable on our totally. own completely. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the parents are going to pay for the whole wedding right? and none of it falls on you. Like I, for me, I was like, I want to be independent yeah. by myself, not like not stressed out about the wedding cost or getting loans or anything like that. Um, I just think this is a big red flag. <laughs> this personally. sounds like she wants to play house. Like, right, and it sounds like probably some of her friends are probably getting yeah, engaged. Yeah, totally. And she has the, she has him. the Pinterest wall, and like she like it, it sounds like she wants to do the marriage for social media, basically. Right. And for the wedding. For the wedding, yeah. Uh, I think this is an absolute like, hey, here you sit down and have a conversation. Here's the reasons why we're not going to get married, or I'm not going to propose to you in six months. Mm -hmm. I hope you're okay with that. I would love to work through that with you. I want to be with you, but I. I'm not in a place of growth myself where I'm ready to be married. Totally. Boom. Boom. And, and find out where her reasons are as well. Right. Right. Next one. Hey, mail and gang. This question may be out of your demographic, but I'll give it a shot. I have a teenage son, his senior year, who doesn't have much ambition. Most of his friends are looking forward to college next year, but he's not interested. We've tried to motivate him, but he seems content on working his high school job and taking classes at a local tech school. My wife says there are many paths and to let him find his way. So the question is, is this a me problem and should I be patient and give some space or a problem that needs attention? I'm sure I'm putting a lot of pressure on him and this is becoming a sore subject, but scared he'll miss out on opportunities by not being more ambitious. You ready to give some some parenting advice that I'm wholly unqualified to give, but I think I'm I can come at it from like a, a son standpoint. Okay, you know, like closer to the teenage son than I am to a teenage son dad. Yeah, I guess. Okay. And my first reaction or my first question here was: Is this a son rebelling, or is this a son who truly just hasn't found something yet? Right. You know, are you rebelling against? pressure from your parents are you as the kid are you um like fuck you dad i just want to sit i'm like i'm gonna sit in my room all day because i know it's gonna piss you off like is there yeah. some sort of anger angst rebel attitude it's here in his yellow card blink 182 phase totally and in that case you need you need time and and, and let off the gas a little bit yeah if it's a case of just truly like boredom or lack of ambition just school doesn't doesn't work doesn't compute maybe he loves welding or you know something like that then it's to me enriching that path for him and saying well okay if you want to do that let's let's find the best path for you and let's let's stoke that curiosity or stoke whatever whatever that the kid really enjoys doing or really shows sort of a, a curiosity gets out of bed for the only thing i can't I can't do his video games. Like, if my kid's like, I just want to play video games 12 hours a day. If my kid wants to play 12 hours of video games a day and he's like, I want to be a YouTuber, I just... Let him stream, Brett. I just don't know if I can let that happen. Um, but I think it's either you, you figure out what, what path are we going. Do we have to work on a rebelling child or do we have to work on enriching a child's curiosity because he's bored on the, in the current state of things and yeah. changing that? Um, and creating it, you, it's, you can't create ambition necessarily, but I think you can get to the bottom of what he really enjoys or, or sort of 
stoked opportunities in that front. Uh-huh. Um, and and then he asks, is he going to miss out on opportunities moving forward? And I kind of look at it like in high school, I was like, oh, I don't need to to work out or like I, I'm naturally talented at throwing a ball hard. Well, yeah. it turns out I wasn't naturally talented enough to not work at it 24 seven right. and throw a ball harder. So I didn't advance my career athletically. And I, I think there's probably a parallel when it comes to opportunities in life from a, from a vocational standpoint. And so do you, I, I don't want to scare the, the kid out of being like, Hey, if, if you're d- going down this path, 40 looks very different for you than if you went down this path and 40, but I guess it comes down to what does, what does the child want? Like truly yeah. want. And then you kind of take that knowing that probably things are going to change in the next 10 years, but you take that short-term want balance it with a sort of a long-term shove in a direction and find some sort of harmonious point that you can help the child get to where he wants to be and eventually where he needs to be okay is that just convoluted no i have two points here Mm -hmm. number one i think kind of going off what you said this is coming from a parent of a two-year-old so i'm about 16 years behind this dude but Mm -hmm. parenting is really hard uh I think being a parent, it just takes a lot out of you. And it's really tough to not put our own shit on our kids. Totally. Uh, It's really hard to like, as looking at a two-year-old, be like, how am I going to be help him be successful? I want him to play this sport and do this and that. And then not, and then take a step back and be like, chill the fuck out. He's too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a really good thing, Will and I both using examples from our own parents, but Will talks about how his parents really fostered his sense of creativity Mm -hmm. and that when he, you know, expressed wanting to draw or, you know, whatever his hobby at the time was that his parents, like, especially his dad would like go full throttle on it and be like, okay, cool. Let's find you a mentor. Let's do this. Whereas I think on the flip side, my parents were very, um, success driven and wanted us to all be the best in our class. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like a type a, my family wills is, was more like the creative brain. It's funny seeing that from like each other's perspectives. Cause like creativity was not really valued in our household. Sure. Uh, so we're trying to mesh those two things. Which and, probably is going to end up being a good thing because you can take the best parts of both right. approaches and, and apply them to. But it's kids. it's really hard when you don't understand the paradigm of your own kids. So sure. like, it'll be difficult for me. And I think it was probably hard for my parents. If I was like, I want to be an artist, they would have been like, uh, no, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. Thankfully, Will and I both kind of come from separate backgrounds that I think one of the parents will understand. And I'm not knocking my parents at all. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying like both of my parents' backgrounds, their whole paradigm was like success is in academics and uh, excelling at math and science and going into XYZ job. I think that there is going to be there already is kind of a shift away from universities. And sure. I think in the next few, 
probably decades, we're going to see a big shift towards people going back to like just like apprenticeship jobs. Like we need plumbers. We need electricians. Those people do really well. Mm -hmm. That like a trade job that doesn't require university. And I think a lot of people are starting to see that maybe – especially kind of becoming disillusioned as like millennials where we graduated and then didn't have a job, you know, yeah. like, Oh, I could have just gone and become somebody's apprentice and like had a company by now, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, and I think that is very difficult for like my parents age, probably this guy to understand because it sounds like he kind of grew up in the generation of like, you go to college, you get a degree, and then you always have that degree to fall back on. But like that has totally, yeah. not been the case in the past 10 years for us. Yeah. Like there are people who are getting jobs before. I mean, obviously certain jobs, my job requires a degree, but there are a lot of jobs that do not. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are excelling without a degree that I think is mind-blowing for the generations ahead of us who were taught for so long. Like if if all else if all else fails, you have a degree. Well, that's yeah. not the case anymore. Like, it doesn't matter if you have a degree. Somebody probably can code better than you because they learned how to code in their freaking basement or they went sure. to a class. So I think kind of letting go of your own preconceived notions is important right now to yeah. be like, okay, maybe he just needs to figure out what he wants to do. There's and pushing him into college because we don't want him to miss opportunities. Well, maybe he'll just waste a couple of, I mean, I did, I wasted mm -hmm. like three years before I decided to be a nurse yeah. and a significant amount of money and time. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I had one thing here and then Randy has something too. So I'll, I, I, I want to get to Randy, but I have one thing here that this dad feels like a dad that we kind of grew up with where he wants to be hands-on which good for you. You want to be hands-on in your children's lives. Like you want to be a dad. What I think this kid needs is maybe a friend. Uh, so instead of being a dad for a second, be a friend for a second and have a conversation with him over a sandwich or, you know, or a beer and like, Hey kid, what, like, what, what, what drives you? What do you love? And sort of help him by you know whatever what his wife says let him find his way let him find what he wants to do this dad has a hard time and I, and I would be the same way just totally taking my hands off the reins and being like let it work out so instead of being hands-on and sort of maneuvering him being hands-on by being with him right. and just say hey whatever direction you're going down I'm with you as a pal as a buddy as just a, a best friend and if you want to approach the college subject from another angle and just say, hey, we're not forcing you to go to college. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But what college does is it's going to give you options. So whatever, if you have paths that you want to go down, maybe it's three or four vocational paths at the tech school. Maybe there's three or four things that college would help open those options. If you look at college as sort of a, uh, a an opportunity diversifier more yeah. than a necessity maybe that helps change the mindset a little bit oh and maybe he doesn't want to go to college because he doesn't want to be away from home or doesn't have uh 
a lot of friends. He's scared about making friends or some, maybe there's an insecurity underneath this whole thing. And I think that's just going to require talking to him less from a, a maneuvering parenting parenting standpoint and more just like a, what's on your mind, man? Like, let, yeah. let help me help you by just being a friend. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a way to get underneath the, why aren't you ambitious right. question? Randy. Yeah, I can go more into the, me and my one other brother really wanted to go to college. We couldn't wait to go, but our other brother wasn't really big about going off to college, like going away. He still had ambitions and stuff. Our parents were really good about our whole life, like encouraging us to do things. But when we pushed back, like didn't want it, but he spent all four years going to a college, you know, getting the experience and stuff. And I think he regrets doing that. Like mm -hmm. he would much rather would have stayed home, gone to college there. So I think it's a lot of times like in, if I were to have a child, like I would want them to go to college, have my experience and all that. But you see your child as like a little version of you, but it's the classic, I don't want your life. Like sometimes you have to step back and let them have their own lives. And if they don't want to go to college, then you can't force them. The guy already said he was going to at least go to like tech and stuff. Yeah, he so likes going to the tech. It's not like he just, Yeah, I don't think this is a sit in your room, play video games situation. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe just take a step back, like Brett and Sally said, like have a real conversation about it and all that, but make sure that there has at least some type of a plan. But, you know, don't like try to force college just because he's going to miss out on college experiences because I know someone that did go for mm -hmm. that and uh, regrets doing that. Yeah. Totally. I, and I think like you guys have both mentioned, I think a kid without a degree these days is very different than a kid without a degree in the 90s or 2000s. Right. And uh, still can make, make things work after that. So yeah. uh, good luck. Let us know how it goes. And then last one, Sally, real quick. Potential shower thought. Uh, my wife and I are set to have her first kid in a few weeks. Big shouts to October babies, Sally. Shouts to October babies. Yeah. Uh, we have this countdown calendar that shares facts. At some point, the baby can actually have dreams when it sleeps still inside mom. What does a baby dream about if it hasn't experienced anything yet? I don't know if I believe this. Is this possible? I don't know. I. I always wonder like how they, it, I'm not a scientist. I mean, I am technically a scientist, but I don't know how they figure out like today my app told me that like the baby probably recognizes my voice, which like makes sense because sure. it's been living inside of me and it can like hear stuff now. Yeah. That I guess I get, but I'm like, how do you know that? Did the baby tell you when it came out that it mm. could hear me in the womb? <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's like a test it's of, like the same uh, yeah. thing as like how do they know what dogs see like i i don't know i'm sure that there's like a lot of actual complicated scientific information uh i don't know if i know the baby's dream they do sleep they have totally, sleep yeah. wake cycles i i would make sense that they they have brain waves and stuff so mm -hmm. they're probably dreaming but like maybe maybe it's all audio to for, to start yeah or you know maybe just audio dreams of your voice or noises and stuff like that. Right. I guess maybe it's just, I mean, but you don't even have like memories till you're like two. I know. Yeah. So, so, so can you even, and what visual information are you pro like your brain has never processed a visual anything, right? Yeah. It's just the inside of somebody's uterus. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a very I existential question. I have no thoughts. <laughs> 
I, I, Much like an unborn child, I cannot think about this in a visual context. Like, I can't even try to fathom what this child is dreaming about. I don't know. Probably just kicking its way out of my uterus currently. <laughs> that's what it's dreaming about. Right down the wall. Anyway, so that's going to do it for us today. Uh, please subscribe, rate five stars, review, and tell a friend about the show. Hit the hotline number, 888-362-6245, or... Again, write in at the link in the Twitter bio at Mailin Podcast or in the description of this episode. Sally, where can the people find you? Sally DeFreeze on Instagram and Twitter. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on both of those platforms, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.